Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage for this morning comes from Genesis 2, 1 through 7, 15 through 20. Listen for what God might be saying to you. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. On the day the Lord God made earth and sky before any wild plants appeared on earth and before any field crops grew because the Lord God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth and there was still no human being to the farm and fertile land. Though a stream rose from the earth and watered all the fertile land and the Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. The Lord God took the human and settled him in the Garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all the garden's trees, but don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because on the day you eat from it, you will die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the human is alone. I will make him a helper that is perfect for him. So the Lord God formed from the fertile land all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky and brought them to the human to see what he would name them. The human gave each living being its name. The human named all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But a helper perfect for him was nowhere to be found. May God bless our understanding in this reading and the hearing of the scripture. Thanks, Alana. Um, Good morning again. Why don't we come together in another word of prayer? God, we give you thanks um, that even as the temperatures... uh, sink to new lows, uh, that we are here together um, and can be warmed by um, the spirit of fellowship. We ask that your spirit would flow freely throughout this space, throughout the space of our hearts and minds, that you would open us to hear what it is that you have to say to us today. Speak through me, God, in spite of me, so that you might be known just a little bit more. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know that we're past the time now, but uh, one of the things that always makes me feel like it's the holidays is, are those little bells, right? You know what I'm talking about? They're constantly ringing on every street corner, and they're often accompanied by a little red tin bucket, right, where you can make a donation to the Salvation Army. And I've always kind of felt bad for those bell ringers, um, while, because, you know, they stand out in the cold all day long, ringing their little bells while people just rush by them. And it's probably not as tough as, like, the clipboard people, right, um, who are asking you if you care about children, (laughs) and then you have to say no, which basically (laughs) means you don't care about children. Um, But it's not far off. And it's temporary work, but that doesn't necessarily make it any easier, right? It seems to me that if you're so hard up looking for work that your best option at the moment is to stand in the cold and ring a bell, it might not be the most exciting or fun or uplifting phase in your life. I mean, it's a job, right? 
but it's not necessarily like um, you're feeling really good uh, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But then I saw this video. <laughs> so every time I see this video, I have to chuckle. I didn't take it, so I didn't get a chance to talk with the person and hear their story. Um, and I'm pretty sure if I did talk with him, he wouldn't be telling me about how being a bell ringer for the Salvation Army is his ultimate goal in life, right? He could have, his job could have easily felt pretty discouraging. Not all, but not only did he have fun, I think, um, but I'm guessing he probably uplifted a lot of folk as they were walking by, right? He maybe even moved some folks to make a donation. This dude could have been like, ugh, work. It sucks. And this is probably him just kind of making the best of a meh situation. He took a different approach. Well, today and over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about work, God's intentions for work, its possibilities, its purpose, and how we might find joy, even as we negotiate the realities of the world and the workplaces that we live in. And so what better place to begin our conversation than in the beginning? Because in the beginning, God worked. And God worked hard. In Genesis 1, we read that over the course of six days, God took a formless void and drew out sky and earth, water and stone. God brought forth humanity and creature, bacteria and forests. In the beginning, God worked hard. And then God rested well. Genesis 1 focuses mostly on how this world came to being, while Genesis 2, what we read, um, is more about why we came into being. It takes a more narrative approach. The author rolls back to the second day of creation and points out how on that day, God took earth and formed a human out of it. And the first thing God did after creating um, Adam was give him a job. Adam's job is to partner with God in cultivating that creation that God was working on, to partner with God in the work of drawing forth new life and exercising imagination. But of course, Adam wasn't a job, wasn't giving Adam a job wasn't all that there was to it, right? God had intentions for all of who Adam was. So when we think about it, God's intentions for us to work, um, uh, this, is, this might be the container by looking at scripture. First, that we would be interconnected. In verse 7, the passage says, The Lord formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. In our very makeup, we are interconnected. In one way, the work that we are engaged in, um, in, in one way to the work that we are engaged in. So I'm going to give you a little Hebrew lesson here. The name Adam is a derivative of the Hebrew word that is translated as land, Adamah. Adam and Adamah. So we see that Adam is connected with Adamah, right? With the work that he was created to do. The other way that we're connected, though, is through God. So God blew life's breath into the, for, into the soil and, and gave, um, a human, gave this human life. Another Hebrew lesson. So this word for breath in Hebrew is ruach. Um, some of our uh, Hebrew uh, language studiers know this. Um, and ruach can be translated as breath or wind or spirit. God's breath, God's spirit dwells within us and gives us life. And we are the only ones in scripture as described to be carrying God's ruach within us. Isn't this a beautiful DNA? God's intentions are for us to be deeply connected 
with the work that we do as well as with the God who created us for that work. So the second intention that God has for us in work um, is that God provided for Adam, right? God ensured that Adam had enough to eat and a nice place to live. There, the passage that, that we jumped over from between 7 and 15 is this whole description about how beautiful and idyllic Eden is. Well, God's intention is for us to be able to live into a ni- in a nice place, um, to be able to have enough to eat, to have all of our needs taken care of for us. God's intention is for us to be free of anxiety when it came to home or food or clothes or any of the things that we need to live. God wants us to be provided for. Then thirdly, God gave Adam guidance. Now, I'm not going to unpack the trees and my thoughts about, like, why yes this and but no that. I actually did that in another sermon, so you can look it up. Um, What I want to point out is that God helped Adam to navigate the world that he lived in and his work by giving him instruction. God intends for us to have clarity and direction on what will help us thrive, not just wander aimlessly around life, searching and feeling fruitless. God wants us to have direction and guidance. Finally, that we would be loved. God cared for Adam. God didn't just want Adam to produce, 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 right? God wanted Adam to flourish. It wasn't enough for Adam to be uh, vocationally successful. Life outside of work mattered too. That Adam wanted to have a partner and a companion mattered to God. God intends for us to be seen. I loved how James talked about that in his testimony. God intends for us to be seen and treated as whole people. What we produce matters, right? But who we are matters as well. So God wants us to also be loved. These are the intentions that God has for us as we um, think about work. So that's the container of work. Well, what should we think about the work itself? Well, this might seem like an obvious thing to say, but work is not everything. (laughs) We live in a time and a culture where what do you do? is like one of the first questions that we ask one another, right? And that can be tough if you're unemployed or if you're doing work that you don't really feel like reflects who you are. It can even reinforce unhealthy dynamics that you might have or that might be at work in your life around um, uh, uh, meeting the expectations that others might have for you but you don't really want for yourself. Or Or it can even help you feel justified in workaholic behavior. In today's passage, work has its place. God works hard, but God also rests. God is concerned with what Adam is doing, but God is also concerned with how Adam is doing. Do you hear that? With what Adam is doing, but also with how Adam is doing. We thrive when we have meaningful relationships as well as meaningful work, which brings me to my second point. Work is not nothing. (laughs) Work matters. God modeled a work habit of six days out of seven. That's 86% of your week, I did the math, um, devoted to work. And during those six days, okay, who knows how long it really was, right? But let's just go with that. During that time, God was crafting a generative, abundant, cyclical creation that embodied a generous interconnectivity. interconnectivity. Let me say that again. A generative, abundant, cyclical creation that embodied a generous interconnectivity. God fashioned a creation that was intentionally interdependent and required a kind of internal hospitality, an internal, internal welcoming in order to thrive. God was doing something meaningful and purposeful. 
Other creations talk about how the world originated from um, a violent cosmic battle. Um, in, well no in one well-known uh, origin story, the universe is created out of the disembodied or the disemboweled um, remains of a defeated god. That's the seedbed for the world. Well, this is not the story of the God that we proclaim and follow. Regardless of what you might think of Genesis 1 and 2, whether you believe it word for word or not, what we learn is something about the character of God, right? We learn that God is decidedly for life. God is decidedly for relationships and imagination. God is for biology and engineering, for artistry and co-creativity. No, God is, for God, work is not nothing. In God's eyes, Work is very, very important. What we do with our time and energy, with our gifts and skills, it matters right from the get-go. Adam is engaged in meaningful and life-giving work, important work that adds to creation, work that, takes, uh, work that takes what God has done already and then goes the next, the next leg, right? Adds to it the particular kind of creativity and imagination that only Adam could bring to it. I mean, who else is going to come up with the name hippopotamus or platypus, right? I'm just kidding. Some old scientists came up with that. But you know what I'm saying, right? Even as God created Adam, God invited Adam to bring his creativity to the work. And that was, not, that was important not just for Adam, but for creation itself. So in his book, uh, this guy, Seth Godin, who's kind of a marketing person, um, talks about the value of being a linchpin in your place of work. And um, in a number of different ways, he's kind of asking the same question. What is the particular you-ness that you bring to the work that you do that cannot be duplicated? So, I mean, I think of that Salvation Army bell ringer, right? There's no one else who's doing like those kinds of moves while they're uh, ringing the bell. Maybe other kinds of moves, but not that, not that one. So, well, one of our UVCers actually is a professional nanny, and she's had several years of experience in her field and is committed to doing good work. Well, not long ago, she was telling me about how the family that she was working for had to reduce her hours, which made it necessary for her to find new work. So she was kind of, you know, putting out the feelers and looking and interviewing. And she had, after she had an interview with, this, with a new family, she received a phone call from them not too long after her interview. And the person told her very urgently that they absolutely needed her to be their nanny. Um, and as it turned out, when this person called her references for her previous family, um, the mom uh, on the, the, who was the reference started tearing up as she was talking about how amazing this person had been. She was devastated that they couldn't keep her. Listen, there are a lot of nannies in the city of Chicago. <laughs> How many of them do you think bring tears to the eyes of those that they have served along with? After the fact, not just on the goodbye day, right? But after the fact, when they're serving for a reference. It takes a special kind of person who brings something that only they can bring to cause that kind of reaction. When God invited Adam into the work of creation, it was important, not just for Adam, not just for the worker, right, but for the work itself. That family is changed because of that person. Creation needed Adam to bring his Adamness to help it be more of what it was intended to be. Work is not nothing, and work is not everything, but work is important. Now, don't get me wrong, though. Work is work, right? I mean, the scripture is kind of sparse, but there had to be sometimes when Adam was just like, 
done for the day, right? You know, God would be bringing one thing after the other, and Adam would be like, dialing it in, right? Dog, dogwood, bark. <laughs> Isn't it beer o'clock, right? That's what Adam's probably saying from time to time. I'm just kidding. But for real, right? Work can be hard. If we're gonna, and, so, and we're going to stick with scripture, you'll see that just a couple of chapters later, after all this drama goes down and Adam basically loses God's trust, you can read through about um, you can see that God puts this heinous curse on Adam and his partner Eve. Um, and, you know, yeah, making, saying, you know, childbirth is going to be really hard, the, work, the land that you till is going to be, um, you know, it's going to make your brow sweat, all this stuff, right? Um, but it's not, and so, like, people can say, well, that's why work is hard, right? But I don't think it's enough to write that off, basically forever and ever, that God is like, listen, yo, your man Adam screwed up, and it's on you, so too bad for you, right? Because we see time and again in Scripture that God is pulling for us, right? God is trying to get us right to get right and do right over and over again. God doesn't just say, like, well, sorry, right? So God wants to, us to flourish in every way possible, and God is working toward that. Because work is a big part of that, what we do matters. We feel it in our souls, right? And that combined with um, living in a culture that's where our work is all tied up with our identity, it can seem nearly impossible to know what to do with work when it comes to faith, and even harder when it comes to finding joy in work, especially if you feel like who you are and what you're doing doesn't match up. If you are not doing what you want to be doing because of unemployment or because you're trapped by debt or life circumstances or you can't find a better job. Or maybe you love what you do but you're frustrated with the organizations or companies or institutions that you are working in. Can I get an amen from the teachers? <laughs> or are you, maybe you're just still trying to figure out what you should be doing. Or maybe you'll actually just never be paid enough to do what you love. These frustrations and discontentments matter because work matters. And we are hoping to unpack some of these issues over the next few weeks. But for today, there's something that you need to know before any of these other things. This is the sort of foundation of our uh, sermon series right here. If you just stick with Genesis 2, it can seem like the first thing that God did after creating Adam was to put him to work, right? But if you look at Genesis 1, I'm going to like do a little sneaky, tricky thing here and go to Genesis 1. Um, there's one important, very vitally important thing that happens just before God puts Adam to work. Let's take a look. So God created humanity in God's own image, male and female. God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. God's providing for them. And that's what happened. God saw everything he made, and it was supremely good. So do you see at the very beginning there, what does God do before setting Adam and Eve to work? That's right, I heard it. God blessed them. God blesses them. Before all things, God blessed them. And then, after commissioning them to do their work, God looks at all, at all, the whole picture, right? God looks at Adam and Eve, 
at their work of partnering with God, God looks at it all and says, it is good. And not just good, right? It is supremely good. Before all things, God blesses you. God sees what you are capable of before you have even proven yourself, right? God has blessed you and calls you supremely good. Your work is important, but it does not define you. Your work is important, but it does not define you. What defines you first and foremost is that you are a child of that you are a child of God, made in the image of God, blessed by God, called partner and given value, called supremely good by God. Your primary work with God is to partner in the co-creation of life. That's your job title. Partner in the co-creation of life. Wherever you are, whatever your job title um, in the external world is, that is your ultimate job. Partner in the co-creation of life. This is what you were drawn from the earth to do. This is what you were breathed life into to do. To multiply life. Whether it's in the classroom or the cubicle or the aisles of a store, you were created for the flourishing of life. And you're able to do this because you have the breath of life within you. You have the breath of life within you, working alongside you, multiplying your effort. God wants you to experience what God experiences in work. Delight and joy. At the end of the day, a deep kind of satisfaction that you see a world overflowing with life and possibility, or at least, at least a little more life and a little more possibility. That knowing you are a beloved child of God, you can sit back at beer o'clock and say, it is supremely good, or at least it's a little better. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you created us for meaningful, purposeful work, work that adds to the co-creation of life, the flourishing of life in this world. But we thank you even more that before that, before you created us for that and gave us that job, you called us blessed and supremely good, that you walk with us, that you are deeply invested in our wellness and in the work that we do, and that you call us partner. You didn't have to, but you did. So help us, not just over these next few weeks as we dig into what it means to do work as people who love you and follow you and are trying to be more faithful, but as people who are just trying to make it through too. Help us in our spaces beyond this time to live into being those people you created and called us to be so long ago. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.